0: So although it looks like you're not doing a whole lot, the idea is that if you can physically put the body to sleep, kind of this yogic sleep, that you're able to peel back the different layers and to come face to face with the true self. And we also then are going through all these different layers of our being and giving them a little TLC, You know, shaking up anything that's there, clearing out the gunk and just taking this journey.
1: Hello and welcome everyone. You are new here. My name is Ashley Sondregard, and I'm your host of the show of Yoga Magic. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm an avid self-care practitioner. I'm a spiritual seeker, and I'm a mom of two little tiny divas. So welcome, everybody. I'm glad you're here. So I hope you're having a good week so far here in Minnesota. It's, I mean, it is full-blown summer. I'm looking out my window, and it is beautiful. It's like 91 it's the best day, but it's funny because it's it's like equal parts amazing in the summer, um, and this particular summer feels equal parts challenging, just with all that's happening in in our country. And you know what? I mean that's that's life. That's such as life. Like it's not going to feel perfect because there's we're far from perfect. We're always we're always working to be better. So I don't know. Maybe you're feeling that too, <laughs> friends. I've gotten um, the request to talk more about just like my self care journey and the things that I'm doing in the wellness sphere, things I'm trying, things that are working, things that are not. I'm so excited that you're interested in hearing from me because honestly, <laughs> like, I'm kind of boring, but I don't know. I do love to dabble in this world of self-care, of wellness, and it's, I mean, it's like my, it's my hobby, it's my job, it's everything right now, so I'm happy. I'm gonna, at the top of the episode. I'm going to share with you kind of things that I'm finding every week, stuff I've tried, classes, all of the above. This week's pretty lighthearted. <laughs> so this week I was um, finally excited to go to my favorite store, Jewelweed, in downtown Wayzata, Minnesota, go back a couple episodes to listen from the founder of that store and like all the amazingness that it is there. And I just, you know, I wanted to do it really safe. I wore my mask. They're doing such a good job of keeping distance. And I just wanted to like peruse spiritual tools and self-care products I mean for like as long as I could possibly do it it was so nice and I came across um these CBD sparkling waters they are called they're called DRAM D-R-A-M and I will link this up in the show notes if you're interested in this product and so I'm like first of all it was it was five dollars for a can like that's that's a bit of a high price for one can of sparkling water it had about 15 milligrams of cbd in it and i'm thinking to myself like i could just take my Lacroix and i could take my 15 milligram powder of cbd or like a droplet and put it in there and that would be fine but this also had like adaptogenic mushrooms and this was the like the bubbly um like rose-ish type like that was the flavor of this particular sparkling water first of all it was so good And I'm trying to not drink so much alcohol these days just because we're at home all the time. And I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm like, well, of course, I'll just like have some champagne at two o'clock on a Tuesday. (laughs) I'm just trying to find alternatives right now that feel really relaxing. So this was the perfect substitute to that. I put it in a champagne glass because, you know, you got to be fancy. And I sat outside and I read a book while my kiddos were napping. And it was literally amazing. I just felt super relaxed. Not sleepy. Sometimes with CBD, I feel like I get kind of sleepy. And that was not the case with this. Just super chill. Truly like a moment to be to be present, to be aware. So into that, into sparkling water with CBD. I'm not sure if I can like do that all the time at $5 a can. But for a special treat, everyone, I'm into it. That was, it was lovely. The other thing that I've been loving right now and it's funny that this is what I'm loving because it's it's like a sort of a painful thing is cold showers. So a couple episodes ago, I talked about um, Iceman Hoff, Wim Hoff on Instagram. He, he's a breathwork facilitator. He's kind of a weird dude, but he has these really interesting practices. Um, one of them is his breathwork practice, which I love. And then the other is to submerge yourself in really, really cold water, like ice water. And I know for those of you that are into like biohacking, this is not new information. Actually, my my functional medicine doctor had suggested that I do this because I have some like toxic heavy metals built up in my body, and it's a really good way to flush out the system. Previous, she's going to be on um, an episode coming up here in a couple of weeks, so yay for that! But she had said, you know, just give yourself a cold blast at the end of your shower for like a minute, a cold blast of water, and it will just it will flush your lymphatics. It will. Um, It will boost your immunity. There's a lot of amazing benefits that cold water has. So I tried it. And like that first day I was like, this is not, (laughs) why am I doing this? And then I've done it pretty much like every day since then. It was like maybe four weeks ago, three weeks ago. And I'm obsessed. It's funny because I don't feel like I'm that cold when I come out, especially after a hot shower. Like in, in a minute of sitting under freezing cold water, I'm like, I don't, I'm not actually like shivering or anything when I get out of the shower. I feel like kind of amped almost like I just took a like had a cup of coffee and I've just noticed that like my energy is more sustained in the morning when I take those cold showers. Um, Yeah. So into the cold showers, I'll keep you updated on that journey. If it's, (laughs) I think I'm supposed to go at more like two or three minutes of cold water, but for now, a minute feels like more than enough for me, <laughs> but it's perfect. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. Okay, that's enough about me, friends. I am excited that we get to chat with our guest today. Um, before we get to to Kelly, the amazing Kelly Smith, I just want to let you know that we have a super awesome new free resource available um for you, for listeners, to download if you if you're interested. It's the 2020 self-care guide for the zodiac signs. And what it is, is just for each individual, you know, zodiac sign um, is a specific self-care little to-do, a little practice. Some of them are really fun. Some of them are about helping other people. Some of them are about about some self-study. They're all different. Some of them you might be like, yes, I totally want to do that one. It has nothing to do with your sun sign or moon sign or whatever. Um, but it's a fun, a fun little download. It's totally free. So if you want to get that, it's on my website, ashleysondergaard.com, which has recently changed, ashleysondergaard.com. And then also just check out my Instagram, ashleysondergaard.yoga, if you want to get that. And I'll put it in the show notes as well. So free 2020 self-care guide for the zodiac signs. All right, my friends. All right, on today's episode, we are talking with Kelly Smith. Um, And Kelly is an experienced registered yoga teacher 500, which means that she has done her 200-hour training, which most teachers have done, plus another 300 hours of training. And she's the founder of Yoga For You and the host of the iTunes chart-topping podcast, Mindful in Minutes. She's really, really done a lot and she's only 30. So I I mentioned in here that I feel like she's so wise um, and she's still so young, but What she believes is that, you know, it's not really a one-size-fits-all to yoga and meditation, which I'm in total agreement with. We talk about that a lot with self-care. It's different for everyone. And she really empowers her students to listen to their bodies and, you know, explore their personal practices so that they can find gratitude in what they have and connect to the true self. She specializes in um, more restorative practices. And that's actually how I found Kelly. I took one of her... um, Restorative yoga teacher trainings online, right? As COVID was coming about, I was like, I really want to use this time to learn something new. A lot of the practices that I did prior to learning more about this work were super like athletic and high energy, you know, vinyasa, yoga sculpt, like high intensity workouts. And my body, frankly, was just yearning for more restorative practices. And that's exactly what Kelly does. So she specializes in um, meditation, in restorative yoga, and in yoga nidra, which is what we're going to talk about today. So if you're not familiar with yoga nidra, Kelly's going to talk about it. Um, and it it is, it's a lot about physical rest, yes, and it's also about connecting to the true self, to um, you know the subconscious, to the spiritual, to the soul. And I think it's it's truly amazing. I have found it sort of challenging to find this particular practice out in the wild. Um, it's just not, it doesn't offer it as much um, and Kelly's really, really good at it. so I'm glad that she's on the show today to talk about what yoga Nidra is and how it might help you on this self-care journey. Let's give it a listen. All right, everybody. We are here with Kelly Smith. Welcome, Kelly. I'm so glad you're on the show. Hey, I'm really
0: happy to be here.
1: Kelly, will you tell us about you, all the cool things that you do, about um, all the yoga practices that you teach? Because they're, I think they're really unique and special.
0: Ooh. Um, okay. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, so I'm an E R Y T five hundred and a Y A C E P, and I used to be very into kind of like the hot power vinyasa practice. So most of my training is in vinyasa, um, but when I this is kind of this is going to be a long answer to your question, Ashley. Great. But okay. <laughs> but um, when I I used to own a yoga studio when I lived in Missouri. Now I live up here in Minnesota with you, but um. I, when I had a yoga studio in Missouri, I was there and I was, I was coming from actually living up here in Minnesota the first time. And that was when I was really into kind of my power strength, like yoga fitness fusion practice. And when I ended up opening my own studio down there, my students and my clients, they didn't need that. They needed something softer. They wanted to, you know, decrease their blood pressure. They just wanted to be able to tie their shoes on their own. They wanted to you know, reduce their anxiety. They needed something a little bit softer. They didn't need that hot, powerful practice. And it was during that time that then I challenged myself as a teacher thinking, okay, it's my job to meet my students where they're at. So I need to go get the tools I need to be able to help them grow. So that's when I really started to explore the things that I've fallen in love with and that I now teach and teach teachers how to teach. And that's things like restorative yoga, and meditation, um, yin yoga, and even yoga nidra. And I ended up doing a 300-hour training in those softer modalities and then doing a lot of not only kind of self-study work, but then smaller trainings in them as well. So that's kind of then shifted what I really teach and share right now, which is restorative yoga, yoga nidra,
1: and meditation. That's so cool. Kelly, do you think that and I ask this question because this is kind of my path too, the same as yours, is that like I started with those really physical practices and vinyasa, actually like with Bikram, that's where I started and, and now have found my way to these more restorative practices and, and, and need them. I mean, like my body needs restorative yoga to feel calm. Do you think that is like a, something that a lot of people experience or they start really hot and then they kind of find these more yin practices? I do.
0: I think there's a few different things that are happening there. I know like for me personally, and, and you, you know me, so you probably know this in myself, but I'm really that kind of like, um, kind of like a hot, fiery Pitta, like, um, you know, like driven, ambitious, like I have a tendency to like, it can be really great when I'm balanced. Um, but it can be, you know, look like overworking myself, being a workaholic or being, you know, kind of um, short with people or, um, you know, being like overly direct and things like that when it's not in balance. And I think that for people like me um, that really have kind of that, like, you know, like that pingala and pitta energy, that they have to do some of those cooler, softer practices to balance out that energy. I think that you are drawn to initially a few things. I think for a lot of people, all we really see on Instagram, and this makes me sad, is like one picture of what yoga is, right? And it's kind of that um, young, thin bendy white woman in her matching yoga set doing these contortionist poses and so we start to think if we're just starting our yoga journey well if we're going to if i want to do yoga i need to look like that i need to be bendy i need to be doing handstands i need to be doing wheels i need to be doing these arm balances and that's truly yoga but i think that sometimes that gets people in the door, but then what keeps them there are some of those other limbs and also some of those softer practices, whether it's, you know, pratyahara, withdrawal of the senses or pranayama or meditation, or even exploring the yamas and the niyamas. I think that's kind of what keeps people. So I think it sort of depends on, you know, what you see and what you consume. And this is something I'm really trying to fight against is like, Yoga is not just poses. It's not, you know, being bendy and taking flashy Instagram pictures. It's about so much more than that. But I also think that a lot of us need that softer, more nurturing energy and practice for self care, for, you know, nurturing, um, for the actual like physiological benefits that come with things like restorative yoga, meditation, and yoga nidra, but also kind of balance out that hot, fiery side of us and and some of us have it more than others and I think that's why it really spoke to me though is that I it kind of helps me tap into that softer feminine moon side which is sometimes hard for me to access because I'm just such like a kind of fiery direct um you know driven woman and so I, I had to kind of then shift into the things that would then kind of evoke more of that like softer feminine cooler moon side
1: hmm I mean, and even societally, like it's so driven. And like, if you're not productive with your time working out per se, like if you're not burning calories, then you're doing it wrong. I mean, I think that's the messaging that we're hearing a lot. And when in fact, like these practices that, that you teach, that you specialize in, I mean, I arguably think are more beneficial because they're getting into some deep, deep layers that will allow you to then you know, move into other well-being practices too. Will you talk a little bit about how you are um, location independent because you can teach anywhere? I think that's one of the coolest things about this is you're bringing it to so many different people. Why did you decide to do that? So, and I'm going to talk about this like it's
0: pre-COVID, okay? <laughs> because currently, I'm very location dependent, which even right now happens to be my mother's basement as we were chatting before because of um, a COVID scare and things like that. So I'm very <laughs> location dependent at the moment, but before all of this happened, something that, that I was doing and I feel really fortunate to be able to do was to have a completely location independent business. So what that means is, um, I don't teach in studios. I don't have, you know, a physical location. If someone says, I want to mail you something, like I don't really have a place to do that unless, you know, I send it to my home, but I'm not gonna give out my home address. <laughs> um, you know, all of these all of these things that, and I, I think it came from, well, I know exactly where it came from. It came from that same experience of owning a physical studio when I lived in Missouri, and we move a lot from my husband's job. So he's in medical school, so we did part of it in Missouri, part of it in Michigan, and then he got a residency up here, and that's how we ended it back in Minnesota. But when I sold my studio in Missouri, And we moved to Michigan. I just remember kind of having this like, you know, really hard moment. It was not only hard for me to leave the thing that I had worked so hard for three years, like really building up this this thing. And And it was doing really well. It was a really abundant yoga studio. I was incredibly proud of it. I felt like it was, you know, this soul project of mine. So not only emotionally was it hard to walk away, but I remember I went from having, you know, one of my best months and being able to support my whole family on single income and, you know, do all the adulting things and, you know, start saving money and things like that where you're like, wow, I'm an adult. I'm putting things in a (laughs) savings account. And, and then I went from that to one of my absolute worst months. And I remember the month, the first month that I moved to Michigan, I made $128 for the entire month. And it was so eye-opening to me, which, you know, at that time, my husband was still in school, so we were completely single income. I was like, okay, well, that like will not cut it. And I just remember having this eye-opening moment of like how dependent I was on my studio and my clients that were coming through my front door. And if I moved, which I knew I was going to be moving again in about a year and a half, if I did that. It, it wouldn't work. Also, it takes so long to build up that following kind of in a physical brick and mortar space that I really kind of took a look at what I was doing. And I always kind of believe, and I know this isn't necessarily like, a business coaching thing, but just a belief that I have is when you're building your business and if you're in charge of your business and your life, that you have to balance it with like, what does your soul love and like what feels good to do? And then also kind of making these objective business decisions. So sometimes what the soul is calling us to do and you know, the numbers don't always align. It's not to say that there isn't a way to do it there is a way to do it and you have to figure out the way in which it feels good to your soul and you feel like you're fulfilling your purpose, but that it also feels, you know, it also makes the numbers work. And so I kind of really started to reflect on what I wanted to do and things that I loved and like what I kind of felt like my purpose was and something I'd started doing back in Missouri was teacher trainings. And I just absolutely fell in love with them with having this chance to kind of teach teachers and to share my passion with other people. And I also love to travel. And I don't mean just like, you know, travel on vacation, like I'm that person, like I start to get a little antsy, if I'm in, you know, one place for too long, and I, I really don't mind the nomadic lifestyle. And so I started to do a few things. I started um, my podcast, which is all guided meditations, it's called mindful in minutes. Um, I started that which then allowed me to kind of reach people globally as a podcast does. And then I started Um, at first partnering with studios like kind of around the globe and offering these small weekend immersion trainings in things like meditation restorative yoga and yoga nidra so I would go to them kind of do this pop-up training for a weekend and then pack it up at the end of the weekend and go home and it's sort of evolved since then and I feel just so fortunate and, and I love kind of the just the whole feeling of it and the the spirit of it and being able to teach teachers and then do things like retreats and to kind of fuse my two loves of travel and seeing new places and then also my love for, for teaching together.
1: That's wow. I mean, that's goals. Like <laughs> you get to travel, you get to lead, lead teacher trainings and and I mean, I'm sure you're going a little bit crazy right now. <laughs> like, I can only this, this has been, yes, this is,
0: this is not easy for anyone at all. Um, I think maybe the thing that I've cried the most about recently, um, you know, the, the top thing that I've been crying about is that I just, there's something about when you physically can't do something that you make it miss, you miss it so much more. So just knowing that even if I wanted to do a retreat somewhere, regardless of, you know, whether or not it was safe, we're taking that out of the, you know, assuming it was safe that I can't. And there's something about just knowing that you can't do it that, and not knowing when it will necessarily change. And that kind of like helplessness and having it be out of your control, which is just the hardest part, probably the best part for me in terms of growth, but just the hardest part, like emotionally, because you just kind of feel like, okay, Mm -hmm. what's next? What do I do? This apartment's pretty small. It kind of looks the same. And, and I just, I'm, yeah, it's just different than what I was used to. So it was Mm -hmm. definitely uh, a surprise.
1: Yeah. I think we're all feeling that
0: and, and it's, it's your livelihood. Like I get it. That's that's yeah. And I, and I think it's just something that like, it came so fast for all of us and we're all struggling in different ways. And I'm something that I've been, this isn't necessarily on topic, but something that I've really been hearing a lot from people. And I think it's kind of the universe sending me a message is I've been having these people pop up. If I just in chat I'm like, Oh, how are you doing? Like how are you adjusting to everything? And I've had so many people recently within like the last few weeks, tell me that all of this Ended up being a blessing in disguise for them. Whether it was, um, you know, they finally, you know, at first being stuck in an apartment with their partner was, you know, horrible. But now they've become so much closer. Or they finally have the time to pursue a project that they wanted. Or you know, they always said, "Oh, I want to spend more time with my dog." And so for a few months, they were able to, you know, work from home. And and something that I think the message that's been coming to me is like what's the silver lining? Like, where is the blessing in disguise here? And so I've really been trying to focus on that and find that instead of thinking about like probably what I would be doing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a yogic mindset right there for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Easier said than done though. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, Well, I was hoping we could talk a little bit today about yoga nidra, because for me, at least someone who loves yoga, absorbs yoga all day, every day is like not that familiar with yoga nidra. I've done it, you know, I've done it a a few times. I've done it really on your, your podcast. Um, I've tried to find live classes like pre COVID here in the twin cities. And it's like, it's hard to find live yoga nidra classes. Um, and you know, those that are well done, I don't know. There's not a lot. So first of all, what is it if someone doesn't know? Uh, like, what does it look like? And then why might someone do this practice? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think this is something that I've noticed a lot of people
0: have heard of it. But that's, you know, they may be familiar with the name, um, but not much more. And and I think it's really, really a fascinating practice. I was very excited when he wanted to talk about yoga nidra because it's just one of my loves and i'm the kind of person that like i don't know i just get very excited about it very passionate about it um so yoga nidra is a practice it's an ancient practice and it translates to yogic sleep i always make the joke that it does not translate to yogic nap and the reason that i say that is because yoga nidra in and of itself if you were just to watch a yoga nidra practice it wouldn't look like we were doing much. Um, You lie on the floor usually in Shavasana. You can do it sometimes when I do, you know, live yoga nidra, like virtual events and stuff, I'll have people even like get in bed and get all cozy. Um, But you want to get as physically comfortable as possible. And you're basically laying there listening to me speak for anywhere for 40 to 60 minutes. And so it doesn't sound like you're doing a whole lot, but I really think that this is an incredibly powerful magical practice because what we're actually doing in that, you know, lying and comfort and listening to my voice is that the guide is leading you through, um, a guided exploration of all of your koshas or the different layers of your being or the different bodies or sheaths, whatever you, whatever you call it. And, um, and what we're doing is we're doing kind of this long, it feels like a long guided meditation when you're practicing it, but you're basically peeling back layer by layer by layer until you come to the true self. And the way that I like to describe it is, you know, like those, um, like Russian nesting dolls, the one where there's like the original in the center. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you, you open one and then it's a, a copy but it's a little smaller and another and another, you have to open them all up until you can find like the original in the center. Yoga nidra is like trying to do that with ourselves. We're trying to get to that true self that's right in the center, and then when we reach that, we're planting the seed of intention there. We call it sankalpa, um, which is just Sanskrit for intention, and in, in that's what we call it. We call it the sankalpa, and so although it looks like you're not doing a whole lot. The idea is that if you can physically put the body to sleep, kind of this yogic sleep, that you're able to peel back the different layers and to come face to face with the true self and be able to not only have that kind of quality time with the true self, which is something that I think is, Absolutely essential to having like a joyful and harmonious life is is living from your true self and not the the self that we show the world, and we also then are going through all these different layers of our being and giving them a little TLC. You know, shaking up anything that's there, clearing out the gunk, and just taking this journey inward through all of our different layers. So. There's a lot happening even though it is just feels like a wonderful, relaxing, long, comfortable, guided meditation.
1: Can I ask a really quick question? I, if Yeah. So if you fall asleep, like I, I, I'm I, the kind of person who could fall asleep like in shavasana in class within about two minutes. Like if you totally fall asleep during this, is that okay? Is that what you're supposed to do? I mean, it. Ha- so are you supposed to do it?
0: No. Okay. Does it happen all the time? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and the thing that's happening and I, and I always joke and I tell people, I'm like, my own mother cannot stay awake for a yoga nidra practice. And it's true. <laughs> and she one of just, and this is, you know, a talk for a different time, but she did um, a 200 hour training with me because she's a kindergarten teacher. She wanted to be able to share these practices with her little, her kinders, her kids, as she calls them. And, and then part of that, and then she did a yoga nidra training with me. And the only way I'm not joking, the only way that, that, that lovely, lovely woman that gave birth to me, stayed awake for practice was I made her stand up in the back of the room for the entire time. And she had probably practiced a dozen yoga ninja practices. She falls asleep. She snores every time. And it wasn't until I lovingly and, and anytime she was in class, I'd call her by her first. I call her Susan. She was an equal student, but it was this one time where I finally just looked at her and I said, mother, <laughs> I said, you have to stay awake for this. I need you to stand in the back. And listen to the words that I'm saying, and not practice. And, and she, which, if you ever want an interesting experience, have your mother as your student. Um, and it, it was it was equal parts just like awesome and challenging and rewarding and really beautiful. And um, but yeah, I think that was the only time where I was like, "Mother, enough is enough. You have to stay awake for this stuff." And but she falls asleep all the time, all the time. And what's happening there is that your body is going to give you what you need. And often we are so sleep and rest deprived. Like our bodies are going to prioritize the actual physical rest that we need over a journey to the true self. Because Mm -hmm. when it comes to survival, right? We're animals at the end of the day. What's more important that we have the rest and the regeneration and that our bodies are restoring the tissues and balancing our hormones or, you know, working towards spiritual enlightenment. So it's always going to prioritize the actual physical rest. And sometimes I, and I tell people and um, a lot of times after class, people will be kind of bashful or they'll start snoring in class. I'll have to just go, you know, kind of politely wake them back up. And, um, and they feel really bashful about it. I always tell them, I'm like, you got what you needed. Sometimes we just need to slow down and rest and that's okay too. But if you do it like 12 times and you're trying to learn how to teach it, like my mother, I will make you stand in the back so you can, <laughs> so you can get the full experience. Um, But yeah, it happens all the time. It's not the goal, but it happens just, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes in a longer Shavasana, it happens. Sometimes you fall asleep, you're tired, you need rest. Your body then remedies that by you fall
1: asleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great answer. You're giving, you're getting what you need. I mean, that's the hope for yoga in general. Mm -hmm. Um, When you are truly, you're doing all the steps and you don't fall asleep. What are, what are some of the benefits? Like, why might someone do this practice? Yeah. There's so many things that are going on there. Um, And
0: physical, actual physical benefits. One of the biggest ones is what's happening is you're moving through the different stages of sleep with your body while trying to keep the mind awake. So there's these really interesting studies where they hook people up to, you know, they call it an electroencephalograph. It's like the big helmet with all the different like wires, right? Same with, it's the same thing. If you're doing like a sleep study and they put little, you know, wires and electrodes all over you, and they're measuring brainwave patterns. And what they know is that when we practice yoga nidra, we're going through the different um, sleep cycle stages. And so what happens, and this is where you may have heard the statistic, you know, a lot of times you'll hear 45 minutes of yoga nidra equals three hours of sleep at night. And, and yes and no. Um, what's actually happening is you're going through the different sleep stages while kind of keeping the mind open. It's It's different than hypnosis, but it has a similar idea with like, if you can put the physical body to sleep, you can do some of that deeper mental, emotional work. And, um, and so what's happening there is you're going through the different sleep stages and there's a purpose for all of them. So it goes one, two, three, four REM, and then you'll go back out four, three, two, one and stages one and two are considered light sleep. And then three and four are deep sleep. And REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, that's its own category. And all of them are important. We spend, you know, over half our time in light sleep and it's important to do light sleep. This is where you actually get your physical rest. Then you go into the deep sleep and that's where things are happening. Like your body is balancing hormones. It's regenerating tissues. It's, you know, doing some of the mental reorganization Mm -hmm. in the brain. REM is where you dream. And, and there's you know important aspects to that as well. It's not just the dreaming, but it's continuing that really kind of deeper, um, mental work. And so the mind really becomes very active in REM sleep. And they think it's, that's where a lot of kind of that reorganization is happening. So when you do a yoga nidra practice and your body goes through these different stages until it's in like a deep, deep sleep, you're getting those same benefits of having, you know, the tissues, um, being restored, of having hormones balanced, of getting the actual physical rest, of reducing the stress and the anxiety. Um, It's great for your blood pressure. But then there's a deeper kind of emotional side. And for me, one of the biggest benefits is getting to connect with the true self. And I think something that is just a big, um, I think one way that, that society is really failing our people is that we don't we're so focused on the self that we show the world, on kind of the shell, you know, that first nesting doll where we look at that first one and decide, you know, is it beautiful or not? And what we really should be working on is is connecting to the original, to that one that's within the center and building a bridge so that, you know, the you that you show the world is the same you that's in the center. And a lot of times I think, well, I don't even say, especially as women, I would say a lot of times, period, as humans, we really struggle with that. So there's definitely the benefit of connecting with the true self or the soul or the divine within, whatever you want to call it. And there's also been a lot of studies where they're doing, um, they're using a lot of yoga nidra with, um, vets. So veterans and working with them with PTSD, because we know intrinsically, right. We know that you can, come back from war, any kind of trauma and not have physical damage, but still have a lot of damage within. And so it's hard to then, you know, for someone like my husband, right, where if he doesn't have, his patient doesn't have any physical symptoms, doesn't have, you know, scars and battle wounds, where is, where is the trauma? And so they've been using a lot of yoga nidra to get into those deeper layers be, and to kind of find where that trauma is residing so that then we can work on on healing it and, and basically getting it up and out. And there's been some really, really powerful studies with the yoga nidra practice and how it's benefiting people with um, post-traumatic stress disorder too.
1: Hmm. Wow. I had no idea. That's And, you know, so I had the privilege of doing... Um, a retreat with Kelly, a, an online retreat, um, not long ago, and and you talked a little bit about how our you know our relationship with our soul, with that true self, um, it, like it doesn't have to be that hard, it doesn't have to be that overly complicated, and I I totally agree with that. It's it it can be really simple, and we we tend to make it really challenging, you know. In addition to yoga nidra, where you are connecting to your true self, you're getting down deep into that that final little nesting doll, what other, what other practices do you think you can do to, to tap into your true self, into your soul? I think there's so many out there.
0: Um, a few that I'm more familiar with cause either I do them or, um, I have my clients do it obviously things like meditation. So anytime you're practicing Pratyahara or of the senses or going inward, um, you're kind of beginning that journey, towards the true self that lies, you know, kind of within those different layers and any kind of an introverting practice, you know, even things like restorative yoga or meditation or, you know, Shavasana, um, of course, you know, yoga nidra, things like that. Those are all really great. I think that things like soul writing, which we did a little bit of, um, on the retreat. And I'm actually curious to hear about your experience with that soul writing, but basically what it is, um, is you do kind of a, a meditation or sometimes if I have like a, if you were like on an international retreat with me, I had more time with you. We would do a full yoga nidra practice and then gently reawaken and try to stay in that state and then do soul writing. And it's different than journaling. It's kind of like an automatic writing where you try to write from the soul space instead of kind of writing from like the mind or, or anywhere else. And it's just kind of a a flow of consciousness writing. Mm -hmm. Um, you can also do, I like to think of kind of questioning and a questioning of everything as kind of a soul hunting practice. And what I mean by that is if I have an aversion to something and I go, oh, I don't like that. Or, you know, I don't, I don't like that kind of a person or as horrible as that sounds questioning that and asking myself why. And sometimes, well, often it's, there's some kind of a reason for it. Maybe, you know, that kind of a person, um, has hurt me in the past. And so this person's kind of, you know, triggering that maybe there's something, maybe their energy doesn't feel safe to me, but maybe it's also something like deeper. And I think that really questioning everything and, and really boiling it down to, okay, is that the, the me that I'm showing the world or is that the true self? And like, you know, when I was thinking about starting my business, like the me that was showing the world, I was almost embarrassed of my business because everyone was telling me it was a bad idea and that I was kind of being, you know, just coasting until my husband was going to be a doctor and um, <laughs> all of these, I know, I know. And I, I, cause I left my whole, I used to work for, um, I was a regional manager for North Shore department stores at a very young age. And I walked away from that to move to rural Missouri with my husband and opened a yoga studio. And so everyone was kind of like, are you crazy? Why would you do that? You just left this whole thing. And and it, it was really hard because I knew it was coming from the true me. Um, and I had to really question, like, why am I so afraid of that? Or why am I feeling ashamed? And it really came down to, I don't need to. I'm, I'm feeling everyone else's judgment, but I don't need to feel ashamed about that. And I find that really questioning things is a really great soul practice that we don't always talk about. Um, but I'm curious, though, Ashley, what your experience was with doing the soul writing, because I know you're a
1: journaler, right? Mm -hmm. yeah I really enjoyed it I I've done similar things I've done um like morning pages like from the artist's way and just like kind of that stream of consciousness writing I I am I think like kind of going back to what you just said about what other people are thinking or projecting on you I am so absorbed in that world of judgment and of like what other people think that so I I'm almost worried that like if someone were to look at my journal or see what I'm writing that they would I don't know that they would judge me or think I'm crazy or something so I for me I think this doing this more regularly potentially like typing it out and then deleting it would be super I don't know it would be very freeing for me I, I really enjoyed it
0: Yeah. And I think that's awesome. I love that idea of doing it and being able to kind of, you know, write it and then, you know, release it, whether it's by deleting or whatever. Um, But something that I, I learned a little bit ago and I'm just going to, I'm just going to share it with you. I'm just going to, I'm just going to drop this and leave it. Um, But something, something that I learned about myself and, and this really came from that time. And I had a really hard time. I was in my early twenties, my very early twenties, you know, that time where, you know, everyone's like, Oh, I got this job out of college. Oh, I'm doing this. And everyone just is stuck in that wheel of comparison. And, you know, even parents are doing, it. it's just, I mean, I don't have to explain it to you and I'm sure I don't have to explain it to anyone listening. We've all experienced it. And I feel like the early twenties are such like a hard, vulnerable time because you're, you're just kind of right in that, just that limbo space of like, the world says you're an adult. You don't really feel like an adult. You're trying to figure out who you are, but there's just, it's just such a hard time. And something that I discovered during that was a lot of, it was so much easier for me to release the judgment of others when I released the judgment of myself. And so when people were judging me and I let it stick or I let it sting, it was because when I really looked into it, I looked deep down, I thought there was some truth to it. Whether it was consciously or unconsciously. And it wasn't until I really accepted that and I kind of distinguished the difference between opinion and feedback. Feedback is crucial. Opinions, I mean, everyone has them. So, you know, whatever. And it wasn't until I really decided that. If someone else's judgment was bothering me, it was probably because I believed there was a little bit of truth in there somewhere. And then I had to challenge those beliefs within me. And once I did that, then all of a sudden, judgment really didn't stick with me anymore. So I'll just plop that in your lap, Ashley, and I'll let you do with it what you
1: want. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, so- I love the tools in my lap. I always. <laughs> well, and it's you know this show is about self-discovery and, and you have to face some of those demons. Like, do I really believe this about myself? And you know what? That's great. Then let it go. Like make that, (laughs) make that discovery and move on. And yeah, I love that little tool. Thank you. That's great. Yeah.
0: Well, and I just, it's something that I, and I still have to kind of revisit that. And I remember it was just such a revelation for me when I was like, why am I so bothered by all of these people telling me that what that I was going to fail at what I was doing and it was a waste of my time and I and again like I'm just the kind of person where I'm you know I'm like oh well you know if I set my mind to it you know I can do anything and um, you know I just I'm just have had a life that has forced me to become very resilient whether I wanted it or not um, and so there's so many things in my past I'm like oh well you know I survived that so I can you know certainly survive this or I can certainly deal with criticism things like that and it wasn't until I stopped and thought like. Why am I so bothered by people thinking that this thing that my heart is calling me to do is a waste of time and I'm going to be a failure and it was because I was worried that I was wasting my time and that I would fail mm-hmm. and then once I recognized that in myself and I could release that, and I thought, well, you know what? okay, maybe I am maybe I am afraid of that, and maybe it is so that it is hard when other people are basically reaffirming this this belief or this thought that I have really buried down deep and And that's kind of something where, you know, you're asking about the benefits of something like yoga nidra. I didn't come to that conclusion by doing a warrior two. I didn't come to that conclusion by doing 108 sun citations. I came to that conclusion by doing the deep internal, you know, withdrawal of the senses, turning inward work. And that to me, that's why I always say, you know, sometimes people will, you'll get them in the door for the poses, but they stay for the deeper stuff. And to me, I've gotten so much more out of, you know, learning even what I just shared with you than being able to, you know, float up into an inversion and not that, <laughs> and not that that's not great. And then, then I don't, you know, that, and that's really helped me. The physical practice has really helped me kind of appreciate and fall in love with my physical body, which is wonderful and great. And I love it. And you know, that's something too, that I think, especially around that early 20 time, right. We, well, not even early 20 time. We were very hard on our bodies. Um, and that the physical practice gave me that. Um, but then these other things then, then kind of fed my soul the way that I needed the physical practice to feed my body. Mm, yeah.
1: I think we're the same age, Kelly, but I feel like you are a very wise, you have a wise soul. <laughs> are we the same age? I'm I twenty nine. I'm, I'm 29. Well, I'm a little bit older than you. I'm 30. I think I'm 33. I honestly don't know most days. <laughs> well, I will be joining the thirties club
0: in just a few days. Okay. Oh,
1: yeah. So, well, I,
0: I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. And I, I think, I think it only comes across that way because you're asking me that we really only start doing what we love when we've kind of used it to take our own personal journey. And I think that maybe even if it seems like, oh, maybe I've, you know, figured out some stuff in this capacity, my life is still a mess and a lot of others. And I think that it really just, you know, maybe I've really been working on finding the true self, but I'm still struggling to, you know, just do some basic life stuff. So I appreciate <laughs> that. But I, I think that it's only because you're asking me about the stuff that I am like deeply,
1: deeply passionate about. It's, it's helpful to so many. So thanks for, for being very passionate about it because it's it shows. And I want people to hear your podcast because it's so good. And it's, I feel like you you cover a lot of topics and it's just you. I'm always like, how is this just Kelly? She has so much information. Will you pimp out your podcast?
0: Oh, that's really kind of you. I I really appreciate that. Um, I would be happy to pimp it out, as you say. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's um, so it's called Mindful in Minutes, and it started as just a it's and it still pretty much is just a collection of personal guided meditations that I then record usually in my closet, um, and put out on the internet. <laughs> and <it's, laughs> it sounds so simplistic, but it's something like it, it really makes me happy to hear like when people speak highly of it or like, you know, when you say you're really enjoying it, not only because, you know, you're a peer of mine. And so I think it really speaks highly, you know, that, that you appreciate it. Cause you do a lot of that work too. Um, but it's something that like, it just makes me really happy to hear that something that kind of changed my life. that I'm able to kind of turn around and, and share these meditations and then, and then just give people kind of the tools to then do that work on their own. Um, and so it's all, they're all 20 minutes or less or guided meditations, all different topics. They're usually more kind of tactile topics like, um, insomnia or anxiety relief or, um, forgiveness, things like that. Um, and then I've started just maybe in the last six months, once a month, I do just kind of a free form, like chit chat thing. So, um, I did recently do one on kind of like yoga Nidra 101, Um, and I just kind of talk about whatever I want to talk about, but I only do that once a month. So 95% of it is it's just guided meditation. So you just put in your headphones and you click play on whatever topic seems good. And then you're off.
1: Love it. I've definitely clicked play and then had it in my <laughs> bedroom and like my husband and fallen asleep because I'm like that. I <laughs> husband I walk in, and just it like, happens. You're like lulling me to sleep.
0: <laughs> um, one of my mom's favorite jokes is that she'll be like, Oh, <laughs> Kelly sleeps with a lot of people. And she's just <laughs> like
1: <laughs> and Your mom, this I,
0: sounds great. Oh my gosh, you guys, Susan is just a gem in this Susan. world. She's like just <laughs> She's so funny, but she also, cause again, she teaches five-year-olds, so she just, she's just awesome. But that is her, her joke. And not only cause there's a lot of sleep meditations, but because I do know, and I hear from a lot of people that, um, I have a voice like NyQuil. That's a, pe- <laughs> that's, that's a direct quote I've gotten from several people. And, um, so then my mom likes to joke that I sleep with a lot of people. <laughs>
1: that's a good joke.
0: <laughs> like, good one, mom. <laughs>
1: Oh, awesome. Kelly, this was yeah. so fun. I'm really glad we got to chat about Yoga Nidra and just the cool work that you're doing. I, I do think right now people are struggling a little bit with sleep. And I'm, I'm speaking from like my friends and family who are like, oh, and, you know, I watched the news again until 1am and now I didn't, and didn't sleep. It's, I mean, these are the practices that are, are going to give us the rest that we need right now to get up and do the things we need to do. So thanks for providing all these tools. I appreciate it a lot. Well, I really appreciate you having me on and getting to talk about my, my loves. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. All right. Thank you, Kelly. Yes. Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like what you're hearing, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Maybe leave some stars, a comment, and even better, share this episode with a friend. Hope to see you back next time.